This episode is brought to you by Miro, the online collaborative whiteboard where distributed product teams get work done. Go from idea to execution using pre-built Kanban boards, sticky notes and retrospectives all on an infinite canvas. Learn more and try Miro for free. Visit Miro.com to get started. That's M-I-R-O.com. Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. Hi, everyone. My name is Tim Hawley, and I'm a VP of Product at Etsy. Today, I'm going to be sharing some tips and tricks for creating and sharing a product strategy. I'll talk through why product strategy matters, some basics of how to develop it, and some tactics for sharing out your strategy. So we'll start with a basic question that I'm sure all of you get all the time. What are you working on? I usually hear one of three responses. The first, I'm working on a really long list of exciting features. Now that's great, but what are all those features aiming to do? What's the value that they're adding for the customer experience and for the business? The second answer, I'm working on a really inspiring but completely intangible vision statement. Now, I really hope that your work contributes to helping your company achieve its vision, but this really doesn't help me understand specifically what you're contributing to that vision. The third one, and this is rare, and I really hope it isn't you, but sometimes I hear, I have no clue. This is often a symptom of a top-down command and control culture. Well, unsurprisingly, I think that product strategy can help in all of these types of situations. If you're stuck in feature land, a strategy will help you get out of the details and outline how all the different pieces fit together. Conversely, if you're way out in vision land, a strategy will help you make your work more tangible. And if you really have no idea what's going on, a strategy should help to clarify to you and the team what you're working on and why. So if a product strategy can do all those things, how do you go about developing one? Let's start with some definitions of some important terms. Vision is the why behind the work. It's your team's North Star, and it should really rarely change. The strategy is the how. It's how you'll realize that vision. It's something that evolves, but shouldn't change too often. Otherwise, things do get confusing because you have to continually articulate new and updated strategies. The tactics are the specific features that you build to forward the strategy. And these change all the time because, of course, you're learning based on what you're launching and refining the tactics that you're using. I'll be honest, I often get confused about the specific definition of strategy, and I refer back to Jeff Wiener's post from Vision to Values all the time for a really crisp definition of strategy and some good examples from his time at LinkedIn. So I'll just share a little secret. A good strategy starts with really understanding the needs of your customers, the dynamics of your business, and the market that you're operating in. That's a shocker, I know, but in nearly all situations, the deeper your understanding, the more compelling your strategy will be. I was recently putting together a strategy for a new focus area at Etsy, and someone on my team commented it seemed to come together really fast. 
The actual strategy writing piece was indeed pretty quick, but behind the scenes, we had spent months gathering the information that we needed to really inform the strategy. So while the writing part might be quick, the overall process can take time and it's not that easy. So if a strategy starts with insights, where do you start? First, I'll say that there isn't a specific playbook for this. The types of questions you'll be asking will really be dependent on your product, the phase of growth of your company, and the specific business goals that you have. That said, these are some common questions that I typically ask at this point. Start with research. What do we know from research? Which customer pain points come up all the time? If you have a voice of the customer program, consult it. If you have a sales team or maybe a support team, you talk to your customers all the time, meet with them to understand what they're hearing. Once you've collected customer needs, next step is to figure out if different audiences have different needs. This is important because it will help your strategy be more specific and targeted towards a very clear subset of your overall customer base. One thing that I find is often overlooked is reviewing research that's happened in the past. Unless you're part of a really young company or maybe working on a completely new area, chances are other teams have investigated similar things in the past and you usually don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can really dig into what they learn and then build on it. The perfect complement to research is data analysis. Dig into the data to understand how, which audiences are most valuable. This might be in terms of revenue generated, might be in terms of how often they use your product, or another key KPI that you really care about. Another thing to dig into is which audience is growing fastest, which is declining. This might highlight some untapped needs and opportunities that you might be able to focus on. And then getting a little bit more detailed, what do you know about how your product performs? For example, do you know where the biggest drop-offs in the funnel are? Which platforms or maybe channels are working really well? And then it really helps to look outside of your business to understand what's happening in the market at large. How's the economy doing? Are your customers impacted? Are their behaviors and interests changing? Of course, it's pretty important to think about these things at the moment uh, in a time of rapid change, like the, the ones that we've seen over the last six months. Observing what your key competitors are doing is also really important. Now, I'm not saying obsess about their every move or every new feature that they launch, but definitely have a pulse on their progress. And finally, who does the thing that you want to do really well? Just like you don't need to necessarily go back and repeat past research, you also don't need to dream up novel solutions to every problem you have. Take inspiration from other products that are doing a really good job of meeting customer needs. But note, it very rarely works just to copy one-to-one -one what they're doing. Only you really understand your customers and the business. So the reason you dig, did all of that digging is to generate useful insights that help define the specific problem that you want to solve. Only once you've defined the problem does it then make sense to think about how to solve it. Of course, given that you're sitting on a whole bunch of information, a whole bunch of research you've just done, you want to show it all off, right? Well, in my experience, that's a pretty surefire way to overwhelm and confuse the people who haven't done all the research you've done. In my experience, reducing your focus down to three strategy statements or strategic pillars, depending on how you name them, is really useful. You can then use all the research you're sitting on to make a clear case for how and why each part of the strategy matters. 
I'll walk through a specific example from a past project at Etsy. When you're introducing the strategy, using simple shorthand titles makes them really easy for people to refer to and should give a clear sense of the areas that you're focusing on without being overly prescriptive. I've also found it really helpful to bring the strategy to life with some visuals. It turns out that most people do really well with images and they often you know, help to communicate a lot of information without using a ton of words, which let's be honest, no one will read anyway. Using a headline for the strategy brings the area to life a bit. In this example, the title of social proof, while it might introduce some ideas in people's minds, um, it can be made a little bit more ta tangible by focusing in on a headline of show how products fit into other buyers' lives. In this example, we also start to introduce the concept of what value the strategy will add to a specific buyer, uh, excuse me, a specific audience. In this case, it's uh, buyers at Etsy. The final and maybe most important part of the strategy is using your research to make a clear case for why this matters. This is not a laundry list of all the data points you've researched, but rather the most critical ones that uh, make the strategy compelling. We often refer to these as reasons to believe. Now, I haven't shown all of the reasons to believe here. You can see the slide is a little truncated, um, but hopefully you get a sense of how both qualitative and quantitative research are used to bring the, the story to life. One thing I've learned is that a good product strategy can make product people feel uncomfortable, especially when you're making a transition from leading a squad to leading a group of squads. When you're used to dealing in stories and A-B tests, the strategic statements can sometimes feel vague. They're intentionally not specific features, which are usually really easy for product people to talk about. Most of us are used to moving really quickly and executing on a strategy, on the other hand, will often take time. When you're used to measuring progress, in you know, the value you created in a sprint, or maybe looking at the results of specific A-B tests, a strategy can feel like a really long marathon. And honestly, I think that's good. It means you can likely spend enough time, maybe many months or many quarters working on it, because there's a lot to dig into and a lot to work on. Another thing I've observed is that many product people feel the need to work on all areas of a strategy at once. Now, more often than not, you'll be resource constrained, and so you'll need to make some decisions to focus on one part of the strategy, potentially before moving on to another. And that's fine. Don't spread yourself too thin, as uncomfortable as that might seem, because it may feel like you're not able to make progress on all areas of this. So you've done some hard work. Congrats. Give yourself a high five. Now you have another challenge. You need to communicate out the strategy to make it truly useful. Here's a non-exhaustive list of some people who I think you should be sharing your work with. Now, first off, if you're unveiling your strategy to your direct peers in engineering, design, research, analytics, marketing, for example, then I would really recommend starting again. If your strategy doesn't include their feedback and their input, chances are it's not very good. Strategies created in a vacuum very rarely succeed. Now, I know documentation is rarely anyone's favorite thing to do, but it's really important. Writing down your strategy makes it easier to refer back to, and it makes it less likely that things will be misinterpreted. 
And this is even more important now, given that we can't rely on, you know, in-person meetings as we might have done in the past. And the fact that many people are operating on updated schedules to allow them to make working from home more successful for them. I found that a deck format usually works best for three key reasons. One, it forces you to prioritize information on a slide rather than ramble on in big, long paragraphs. Two, it allows you to be visual. Like I said before, people really like pictures. And three, the content can be easily shared in different ways. It can be shared as a pre-read um, for people to digest before you meet with them. It can then be reused to present when you're in that meeting. So, you know, reusing your work is really great. Now, of course, you know, your mileage might vary a little bit depending on your company's culture and ways of working. But from the experience I've had, long form written docs rarely tend to get engaged with. So you made a deck, you're done, right? Well, the next step is to really think about how people will digest that information. My experience, you need to communicate information at least three times, usually in different ways, before people understand it. A typical flow I've seen to be successful is, first, share the strategy deck in a way that lets people digest it on their own time. Usually this is sharing by email or maybe via Slack, and then giving them a few days to digest it and really think about questions that they might have. Then have a meeting to walk through the strategy with your teams. I know, I know nobody loves meetings, but talking through a strategy is really helpful because it adds a little bit of color and a little bit more context than maybe you're able to communicate exclusively in a deck. And then really encourage people to ask questions, either live in the meeting, as comments in the doc, or maybe as direct DMs to you. This helps people who are comfortable asking questions in different ways know that they have the opportunity um, to have themselves heard. Then another kind of sometimes uh, somewhat strange practice is repeating strategic pillars as much as you can. So for example, in many of our team meetings, we start with the components of our strategy at the beginning of each meeting. And we really make it clear what each track of work is or how each track of work is, is laddering up to helping to forward the strategy. I, this can sometimes feel redundant and repetitive, but it's really useful to help keep the strategy feel front and center and, and on everyone's minds. Once you've communicated with your peers, your manager, your team and key stakeholders, there's often one really important stakeholder group left to talk to. Now this might be a little bit more applicable to larger, larger organizations, but knowing how to effectively position your strategy to your leadership team, this might be you know, your group leads, the C-suite, the board, uh, is really important in helping them understand why you're investing your team's time and resources in a certain way. Your goal with this group is to clearly outline three things, and these shouldn't be a surprise. What areas you've decided to prioritize, the most crucial insights that inform your work, and based on what you know today, some of the key areas that you're planning on tackling. This is why I use the, the format that I introduced earlier, because you should be really able to reuse it. You might need to tweak it a little bit for this specific group, Maybe you need to leave out a little bit, little bit of information that's really useful for the team, but maybe not for the execs. But ultimately, it should be very much reusable. Now, when you're presenting to them, there's some common signs if you've missed the mark. And you hopefully can use these, some of these signs in the moment to start to course correct your communication a little bit. 
to get things back on track. The first, people start using their phone. We've all been in meetings when you know everyone's heads go down, they start playing on their phone. It's a pretty good sign you've lost them. Another uh, good sign or bad sign is that there are no questions or potentially way too many questions. This is a signal that the information was shared at the wrong level. No questions and there's not enough specific detail, too many questions and people are getting caught up on the nitty gritty details. And one way that you know that this is not working um, is after the fact, uh, if you're not getting shout outs in company-wide forums. Ultimately what this means is that the, the team you're presenting to, the executive team, the board, whatever, um, did not really understand it, and ultimately it's not top of mind for them. Your goal when, when speaking to the, the executive team is to really empower them with language that they can reuse when they're talking about the work. Now, they don't speak product, not because they don't care about product management, but because they have other things on their mind, and more often than not, they have other areas of expertise. So it's really important to use clear, non-jargony language that they can then reuse in other meetings that they're having. You know you've done this well when you hear your manager or your leadership team repeating the terms or the concepts that you introduced. Okay, time to wrap things up. So you focused on your strategy, and you focused on a few key opportunities that you think are the most important in investing in. You documented everything really clearly, and you've successfully communicated it. Well, now the hard work and hopefully the fun starts, executing on the strategy with your team. Good luck. This episode was brought to you by Miro, the online collaborative whiteboard where distributed product teams get work done. Go from idea to execution using pre-built Kanban boards, sticky notes and retrospectives all on an infinite canvas. Learn more and try Miro for free. Visit Miro.com to get started. That's M-I-R-O.com. Thank you for listening to the product podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.